0: Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that offers you news and views that, if mentioned in social media, can get you deplatformed, defenestrated, or dragged off to the site board, I guess. I don't know. The way things are going, it's getting pretty crazy. I'm Kevin Barrett with uh, my fellow dissident, Dr. E. Michael Jones. Welcome, Mike. How are you doing?
1: Thank you, Kevin. Good to be here.
0: It's always good to do the show with you. And we're going to go through our obligatory disclaimers pretty fast uh, so we can get to the long list of stories that we're covering this week, including some really wild and crazy ones. So we're, let's see. We should have some slides for some disclaimers here. Uh, we are not medical doctors. We're other kinds of doctors. And we question uh, the news. We're news doctors. So question everything. If asking questions gives you heart attacks, go find a heart doctor because that's not us. Um, this is a very disturbing video the disturbing qualities are inevitable unavoidable and ineluctable so uh you're just going to be disturbed face it um, and finally again we're not medical doctors how many times do i have to say that before people keep asking me for ivermectin and pine needle tea <laughs> i'm not a medical doctor okay we're disclaimed Totally disclaimed, but I uh, guess who isn't disclaimed? It's uh, Bill Gates. Bill Gates says the worst part of the pandemic is, is coming. We're entering the worst part. And that's, that's because it's, it's ending, which is the worst part for Bill because he's been having the time of his life, adding to his trillions. Um, Mike, do you feel sorry for Bill Gates, uh, losing, uh, all of this amazing fun and, and profit that he's gained from this pandemic?
1: Yeah, I'm really tempted to give him a contribution, but,
0: uh. <laughs> there you go, Let's contribute to the Bill and Melinda
1: Foundation. Yeah, yeah. It's tax exempt, too. So, uh. There you go. I, th- I think, I think what we're seeing here may, may be the beginning of the end. Uh, because, uh, we're talking about, I don't whether we're going to talk about this later, but the, uh, Supreme Court has basically struck down Biden's mandate.
0: Yeah. And that's our first big story of the week. Uh, so maybe we could flip ahead to that story. That's, that's our, uh, our screaming front page headline story. No wonder Bill Gates is depressed. No wonder he thinks this is the very worst part of the pandemic when the Supreme Court overthrows his vaccine mandate. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's our first slide. We're going there. No, this, oh, this is our slide for our next week's fundraiser, uh, and, uh, of course, that speaks for itself. We'll talk about RFK Jr. and how they're going after RFK Jr. because of his best-selling book, The Real Anthony Fauci. They're going after Merrill Nass, who is a key medical advisor for RFK Jr., and they're going after RFK Jr. by keeping the innocent patsy that was falsely blamed for killing his father in prison. Uh, even though RFK Jr., uh, among others, in his family supports the parole. But we'll get to that later. Let's get to our our Supreme Court story, which was the big good news this week. So, uh, Mike, maybe our political system isn't 100 percent rotten. It's only 99.9 percent rotten. Every now and then you get a reasonably OK decision from the Supreme Court.
1: Well, I think they have to take into account uh, the status of the, the way things are going right now. And uh, I think that they're going to have to make uh, a retrenchment here a, a reassessment uh uh basically based on what has to be considered imperial overreach uh those days those days are gone the days where they can say simply from the Supreme Court, this is going to be the law of the land, and that's that uh it, it's gone and biden 's mandate his mandate was basically exactly that <clears throat> imperial overreach at a time when the tide is turning in the other direction, and so <clears throat> I think if you're representing oligarch interest, which I think what the Supreme Court does, you have to have a realistic assessment of the actual political power that's in existence right now. And I think what they're saying is we're going to have to withdraw. We're going to have to withdraw back to basically a state's rights model uh, because this imperial uniformity uh, model is no longer tenable. And it's not just going to be for COVID mandates. I think abortion is the next thing where we're going to see the same type of thing happening.
0: Well, that's what Chris Knightley said in that Off Guardian piece we'll be covering in a little bit, that this is just strategic retrenchment. They conquered a bunch of territory, but now they're coming under fire. They're going to kind of retrench a little bit and try to get hold of uh, consolidating the territory that they've gained. So that's the time for us to actually step up our fire and uh, take back that territory that they gained and then some. Uh, But that's a future uh, piece here. Let's start with uh, the noticing that this is affecting 80 million people from that mandate. And uh let's let's stick with that story that in front that previous story for a second here. I thought it was interesting that the administration still views this rule as a success at driving millions of people to get vaccinated. That's the AP talking driving. Like, isn't that a term they use for like cattle and sheep, Mike?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think what we're seeing here is uh um uh, it's like the soviet union is suddenly making a reappearance uh rebaptized as america uh, and we have these kind of uh draconian uh reactions to people uh where uh, basically if you disagree with the regime you must be mentally well, no, that ill leads,
0: that does lead to our next slide let's listen let's <clears throat> back to the meryl nass slide then yeah she's she's getting the stalinist psychiatric treatment here um she's totally sane and lucid she's been on my radio show at zillion times, uh, and she's being dragged off for psychiatric evaluation, and her medical license is suspended, mainly, I think, because she's exposing the biological weapons criminals. That's her specialty. She's a medical doctor, but she's also uh, a researcher on biological weapons, and she's the only person who's ever published a peer-reviewed article exposing an actual biological attack, uh, and that's why they're going after her, because now, She's working with RFK Jr., who's got an audience that's heading into the millions. Now they can't ignore her anymore, so they're coming after her. And it is just like the old USSR, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think that uh, that's the analogy that we're starting to see. I think Putin said this not too long ago, that basically what happened in the so in Russia in 1917 uh, is happening in the United States right now. Uh, a lot of the same uh, players, uh, in sense, uh, a lot of the same – Paradigms. Uh, the uh, just the the uh, attorney general sounds a lot like the head of the Cheka, uh, where he starts uh, criminalizing, demonizing anyone who disagrees with the government. And so the government gets more and more draconian. More and more people disagree, and the reaction is, well, we have to uh, destate. We have to certify them as insane and put them in mental institutions, or quarantine them, or do something like that.
0: And, you know, she's asking the hard questions about the people who led the push to uh, propagandize for a natural origin of COVID when everybody, including Fauci and his advisors, all knew that it was almost certainly a bioweapon. And so she exposed that key letter to The Lancet that they signed a whole bunch of top suspects signed a letter saying, quote, we stand together to strongly condemn conspiracy theories that COVID does not have a natural origin. And on that, uh, the first signature was Charles Kalischer, who stands uh, accused by the Cuban government of murdering 150 plus Cubans, mostly children, by leading a CIA bio-attack on Cuba. That's the very first signatory on that letter that spearheaded the whole media campaign to pretend that COVID had a natural origin. And and Meryl Ness exposed this on my radio show back in uh, like late winter of 2020, and uh, now she's under fire. And of course, that whole issue is blowing up again as Peter Daszak, another signatory on that letter propagandizing for a bogus natural origin, is now exposed in apparent DARPA documents as the creator of COVID. So this is really heating up and Merrill is right in the crosshairs. And, and in the next slide, we see my story about Merrill I just published at my Substack.
1: Yeah, well, the, the 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 reaction shows how seriously that the regime is taking these charges. They they are basically uh, operating under the principle that truth is the opinion of the powerful, and if you have all powerful agents agreeing on something, it is therefore true. And it turns out that that's not going to work. Uh, it. It's not going to work. The, the story is too big uh, uh, to uh, be crushed, to, to be suppressed by these powers. And the fact of the matter is it's true. And h- how do you deal with the truth? Well, you punish the people who, who say the truth. But that doesn't work either. That doesn't work either. So I think that back to the Supreme Court, I think that they're trying to save uh, 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 a reasonable understanding of America by backing away, by basically isolating these people as uh, a group that uh, they, they, if in effect attempted a coup d'etat uh, to take over the state, to use the state to impose their views, They, I think they've gone too far. The narrative is unraveling. So how do we deal with it? Well, I think that's what the Supreme Court did. We got to step back and say, rein these people in. The adults in the room have to take over at this point.
0: That's right. Yeah, these these crazy extreme COVID criminals are not good for business, but there's this pushback coming against uh, Merrill Nass and that's of course targeting RFK Jr because she advises RFK Jr. RFK Jr is now in the crosshairs because his uh, best-selling book The Real Anthony Fauci is is again it's over half a million sales and heading for into the millions and that makes him a real threat and so they're pushing back at RFK Jr through Merrill Nass. And also in the next slide we see they're pushing back against RFK Jr By continuing this grotesque injustice uh, by which an innocent patsy was framed for the killing of his father, languishes in prison despite RFK Jr. screaming from the rooftops that this guy is innocent. Please go after the real criminals who killed my father.
1: Well, now you're starting to see the the domino effect here. So uh, wait a minute. If COVID, if that's a a bioweapon, if that's not true, well, then do you think maybe 9-11 wasn't true? Uh, and, and if 9-11 if 9-11 wasn't wasn't what they said it was, well, maybe uh, John Kennedy wasn't uh, murdered by a lone deranged government. It's, it's like a house of cards here. Uh, and I think the house of cards was created by the CIA that was so successful after the war with their psychological operations that they felt they could do anything. Problem is, when one fall, starts to fall, we take out one card, the whole house collapses. And I think that is some indication of why there's a, this note of desperation in going after a doctor who prescribing medicine.
0: Well, this Associated Press story says, quote, Newsom, governor of California, said Han, even at age 77, poses an unreasonable threat to public safety. Yeah, right, Gavin, because the CIA might hypnotize him again and have him fire a couple of random shots in the general vicinity of RFK Jr. That's why he's a threat to public safety. So, maybe, no. I mean, seriously, this, this is completely insane. And, and Newsom is pretending that, you know, Sir Sirhan is, is totally without any remorse for his crime. Of course he's without remorse. He didn't do it.
1: That's right. That's right. And the the evidence is that you when you want to find out who did it, you find out who was in charge of getting uh, taking him through the kitchen, John, Robert Kennedy through the kitchen, as opposed to where he was supposed to go out. And then you'll find out uh, who was involved. And the fact that there was a guy, a, a, a security guard behind him with a gun uh, and that the bullet entered from the back of the head, then we're starting to get some indication of who really did it.
0: No kidding. And it's interesting that this AP story mentions the split in the iconic Kennedy family, where two of RFK Jr.'s sons supported his release. Uh, but there wasn't a single mention in this story of Sir Han's obvious innocence, or even of the possibility that he could be innocent, or of the fact that members of the Kennedy family are screaming from the rooftops that he's innocent. Apparently, that's not newsworthy.
1: Oh, no. And, and, and then you get into the whole what, what happened to the Kennedy family? What happened to Teddy Kennedy? Uh, I think he learned the lesson that if you stand up to these people, uh, you get killed if you're a Kennedy. A- and if you go along, you lead a-, a-, a, f- a fat, happy life and screw a lot of women and uh, get lion eyes as a great uh, American hero. So I, that was the message. And I think uh, Teddy understood it.
0: Yeah, he got the message all right, although he didn't have a very happy life, drowning himself in alcohol and depression and, and trying to assuage his depression by uh, chasing whichever women crossed his path. A uh, very uh, sad story there, um, and not to mention driving off the bridge. Um, but uh, fi- anyway, getting back to these these criminals, their whole uh, crime racket may be starting to unravel uh, not so much thanks to the Kennedy assassination cases starting to unravel, but more that the COVID case. Let's get back to that. Uh, and we can get into our section here about the mad Dr. Fauci and his evil experiments with the so-called Eco Health Alliance. So the so-called Eco Health Alliance of Peter Dazek was offering to do these, uh, viral, uh, experiments that were too dangerous for DARPA. Wait a minute. Too dangerous for DARPA? Hey, I'm your man. <laughs> and, and this is, uh, you know, Project Defuse. I guess they were trying to defuse the population problem through depopulation. Uh, it's, it's interesting. That Fauci lied to Congress about this, saying under oath that, uh, NIAID never had anything to do with gain of function research into coronaviruses when that's all totally contradicted by a long list of, of documentary evidence, as Rand Paul said on the Senate floor. So this is really getting hot and it, it, it'll be interesting to see if it blows up either somehow in the, the justice system or maybe it'll take the political system. Maybe it'll take some sort of landslide for the, uh, the Trumpish type Republicans who seem to be willing to actually expose some of this.
1: Yeah, well, the, the dynamic is pretty clear when you watch uh, either Cruz or uh, Rand Paul questioning Fauci. Fauci just sneers at them. It's like, who do you think you are? You're a senator of the United States. Do you think you have any political power compared to the political power that, that, that I the way have? That's
0: Rumsfeld treated Cynthia McKinney when she called him out on
1: 9-11. Yeah. So it comes down to raw political power based on a narrative that is not true. So how that means a lot of repression, a lot of power. You have to pile a lot more power. The, the less truth you have, the more power you have to apply to uh, make it stick. And how long is that going to last? How long is that going to last in light of the good faith that people had? okay, these poor people who actually did take the vaccine and now it's turning out they're just as likely to get sick or more likely to get sick uh, than the people who did not get vaccinated. And your whole pandemic of the unvaccinated, that's unraveling, too. That's unraveling, too.
0: It's all unraveling at once. Uh, the only problem is, is there's too much damning information right now that maybe people are getting swamped by it and having a hard time zeroing in on kind of the one thing that could be used to hang all of these criminals. Uh,
1: it needs but- to be focused. The political, some politician needs to come forward and focus all of this material in some type of meaningful fashion, which means like uh, testimony under oath leading to indictments, that type of thing. Someone's got to step forward. Who's it going to be?
0: Hey uh I don't know I I voted for RFK Jr in the last presidential election but you know hopefully somebody will have the uh, the guts and the power to try and do something about this. Uh we'll see how it shakes out. But speaking of mad Dr Fauci and his evil experiments, uh how about the you know moving from the tragic to the farcical. Um his Fauci not only has funded these cruel experiments uh, torturing dogs and uh harming and killing children but uh, he's got—he's funded experiments trying to turn monkeys transgender. Um, so quick, somebody call the island of the beast people. Paging Dr. Moreau. Dr. Moreau. Uh, Tony Fauci's on the phone asking whether you succeeded in turning any of these monkeys into transgender humans are we not woe men? We are Devo, D-E-V-O. And this is, you can't really make up, this is like beyond Hollywood's power to come up with a horror movie as uh, ridiculous and absurd as what the truth we're learning about people like Fauci.
1: Yeah, it's like, uh, thank God for animal rights. I remember when they, uh, there was, uh, uh, among the uh, so-called homosexual community, there was a Uh, a trend where they're sticking gerbils up their rectums, and this outrageous act was...
0: uh, That's a scientific experiment. uh,
1: It it was called uh, not to... to,
0: Fauci's done that a few times, too.
1: It was called... They got called on it to defend the gerbils. Who's going to defend gerbil rights here in this thing, not dealing with the absolute decadence that was uh, uh, the the matrix for this type of thing? So this is the way these things happen here in this weird culture of ours.
0: It is pretty weird. I mean, maybe even you, a good traditional Catholic, can understand why somebody like me would be so uh, horrified by where this culture has gone that I've converted to Islam, which I think is the straight path. But we'll get into that discussion another time and move on to the big news, according to the mainstream now, is that, oops, we're going to have to live with COVID, if you can call that living. Um, here's the New York Times propagandizing for this new meme. I mean, somebody's in the in the Orwellian, you know, PSYOP department obviously comes up with these new memes to put out. So the slogan of the day, the flavor of the month, is we're going to have to just live with COVID as we do with many other viruses. And so this article goes after, you know, quotes a long list of European leaders saying this and saying that's going to come here to the U.S. too. Uh, of course, Bill Gates and Tony Fauci are not happy about this, and they're screaming in unison, what do you mean it can't be an emergency forever? <laughs> the fun was just getting started. But no, it's time for strategic retrenchment.
1: I think that's in line with what the Supreme Court is doing. It's the same type of thing. How are we going to take pry these guys' fingers off the off the steering wheel? Uh, I had, uh, in full disclosure here, I think I think I have it to be perfectly honest with you. I think I got the Omicron variant. I've, I've I have what I would have called a cold. Thank you. It makes me immune or something or other. But in, in years past, I would have called it a cold, uh, and it's not a big deal. It's not what I have is not worth wrecking the entire economy uh, to, to solve. And I think that by talking this way, you're going to bring people back to the reality uh, that uh, in spite of their intentions, you still have an immune system. And the immune system is still your first uh, line of defense against this type of stuff. And it, it actually works. Uh, assuming that you don't compromise your immune system by all of the the comorbidities that you can acquire simply by being a docile consumer in in this culture, Uh, obesity and all the other things.
0: That's right. Well, this is the New York Times propaganda version of the story that we're now going to have to live with COVID. And in the next slide, we have Chris Knightley's off-guardian piece uh, critiquing that new propaganda talking point. And what she points out is that uh, ultimately what they're saying is that living with the virus means maintaining the status quo and loosening a few restrictions, but leaving the path clear for new waves of fear porn should the need arise. So they're doing strategic retrenchment and consolidation, and that's the time for us to go on an all-out attack.
1: Yeah, well, that's not what I mean when I say living with the virus. What I mean is your immune system is trying to take care of these type of things if you take care of your immune system. Not that we should simply, okay, we will accept uh, 50% of all of the uh, um, uh, restrictions you have imposed on us. No, that's not what I'm talking at all. I'm saying the main line of defense is your immune system. And that's uh, you need to preserve that. You have to retain your responsibility for keeping yourself healthy and not Uh, leading a completely dissolute life and then hoping that some doctor will save you from the consequences of your lack of discipline later on. That's not what I'm talking about.
0: Well, I think the reality, the scientific reality is starting to sink in that this is not something that they're going to heroically solve with uh, multi-trillion dollar uh, vaccine profits with masking, distancing, all of this kind of stuff that they've been throwing at us really hasn't worked and so what what actually is the the real situation well it's we've got this omicron variant that's going everywhere everybody's going to get it it's going to be the new common cold and uh the next story is luc montagnier the nobel laureate uh, writing in the wall street journal that uh this the vaccine mandates are now completely obsolete and he mentions a preprint study found that 30 days Uh, After vaccination or boosting the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines no longer have any statistically significant positive effect against Omicron. And after 90 days, their effect went negative. That is vaccinated people are much more likely to get it. Uh, this is called negative efficacy. And there are confirming studies from Denmark and from Ontario as well. So, uh, all of you folks who rushed out to get vaccinated, now you're the ones that we have to watch out for because you're the ones who are going to catch COVID and suffer from it worse than us.
1: Unvaccinated people. Yeah. Yeah. This has an analogy with uh, Fauci's uh, uh, treatment of AIDS. AIDS was a lifestyle disease that basically caused the collapse of your immune system because of the lifestyle that homosexuals were leading at that time. So the cure was, okay, stop doing that and you'll stop getting sick. Well, that nobody's going to make any money off of that. And so they had to invent something. And Fauci invented, he didn't invent it, but he brought back ACT, which was one of the most toxic compounds ever invented by a human being. And that killed lots of homosexuals. And, you know,
0: and, and it's interesting you mention that, Mike, because our next slide, of course, is Ron Unz's American Pravda piece on precisely this issue among other public health problems.
1: Right. So it was the cure that killed people like Arthur Ashe. And when uh, when uh, Magic Johnson got it one shot and made him sick, he said, I'm not going to take this anymore. And he's still alive to tell the tale. So it was basically exactly the same situation. It was the medicine that was killing you. It was the cure that was killing you. In this instance, it's the vaccine that's making you sick. And now uh, who's going to be held responsible for this?
0: And of course the jury's still out about, you know, to what extent the overall, you know, effects of the vaccines are gonna be positive in this way, negative in that way. So uh I think we'll we'll wait and see. But yeah, with with Omicron it's looks like you're a negative efficacy territory not long after getting vaccinated, and a lot of uh, folks uh, on our side of this debate are not all that surprised by that. Well, in this article, Ron Unz points out that this grotesque public health failure around COVID is just the latest of a long list of grotesque American public health failures, going back to AIDS, as you mentioned, Mike. And then going through the, the Sacklers, uh, making, you know, vast profits off of opioids, the Vioxx scandal that killed, uh, 100,000 plus people per year for years and years and years. And then when they finally yanked it, suddenly the death rate in America took the biggest drop in all of history. Uh, there have been a, a long list of these public health measures, uh, that ended up killing huge numbers of people. So the, if we can fix this by, uh, basically hanging these criminals who, who created COVID and then profited from it. Maybe we can avoid even worse uh, mass slaughters in the future.
1: Well, that would be the cunning of reason. If, if the COVID overreach suddenly alerted everyone to the fact of how medicine has been manipulated for a century, then that would be great. That would be a good uh, a way of uh, breaking out and thriving some good from the evil they imposed on us. Uh, another guy to talk about in this regard is Bill Gates, who seems to have taken the page right out of the Rockefellers. Rockefellers made a lot of money in oil and they immediately got into medicine and basically steered medicine in the direction that it has taken uh, to this day. That's type of stuff that we need to, we need to understand this history, the history of what happened over this period of time so that it won't happen again.
0: Absolutely. America's public health policy is hideously corrupt. Um, The basic point of RFK Jr.'s book is that the mega uh, corporations, interests, uh, CEOs, and investors who are making trillions of dollars off of this system have completely corrupted it, and it's broken. Well, over in China, they have a slightly different problem. Maybe there's a little bit less corruption, in fact, a lot less corruption, but they've got a kind of one-party totalitarian state that is uh, enforcing a zero-COVID policy quite In a draconian manner, as this New York Times article points out, now the Times, of course, can be counted on to give us anti-China propaganda, but that doesn't mean there isn't a kernel of truth to this portrait.
1: Well, yeah, and the problem is, uh, wh- when you have a policy that is not based on reality or, or the truth, you have to have lots of force to impose it. And once you have to, when you have to employ something like uh, like in East Germany, half the population was spying on the other half of the population. That's not economically uh, productive. You're wasting everybody's activity, and so you. This is precisely what we want to avoid here. Because uh, how much control do you need to destroy the truth?
0: How,
1: How much? You can't do it. You can't do it. There's no amount of policemen in the world who are going to destroy what you know to be true because you can't reach it. They can't reach it. It's not going to happen. And so, therefore, it's time to back off instead of using all these resources to impose the will of a tiny minority on the entire American people. That's precisely the problem we have with the government right now. You have people who see like Merrick Garland, uh, Blinken, our buddy Blinken, who is now bringing us to the uh, uh, brink of war with Russia right now. These are people that view the American people as the enemy the enemy that has to be combated. So if if some lady shows up and objects to pedophilia propaganda at the local school board meeting, Merrick Gleilin declares her a domestic terrorist.
0: But hey, the New York Times says it's a lot worse in China, where they have this insane, draconian, zero-COVID policy, where I guess I understand that one lonely little Omicron virus managed to sneak across the Great Wall and hitch a ride to Beijing, but he was quickly captured and forced to undergo endless self-criticism sessions. And he said, I justified my actions by telling myself that my mission was to end the pandemic, but now, thanks to the wisdom of the glorious party and its great leader Z, I realize I was just an opportunistic viral capitalist rotor jackal seeking to make as much metabolic profits as I could at the expense of others, and so they've solved their... COVID problem with the, uh, the communist approach, and I guess that's all well and good for China. Moving back to uh, War on China news over at the New York Post, the other New York paper, um, how about the quarantine Olympics? Uh, maybe they can be well, what, are, what are they doing there? Like, um uh, what, what, what Olympic event can you do when you're in one of those little quarantine hovels? Again, is, what do you think? Is this exaggerated anti-China propaganda or are they, uh, actually putting anybody in here? There was a one tweet claimed that they, millions were moved into these camps. That was just one anonymous tweet that said that. And so the New York Post, uh, says, oh well, if, if somebody tweeted it, it must be true. Cause of course they have fact checks on, on Twitter, right? I'm, I don't know. I'm skeptical. How about you?
1: I, I met a woman from Wuhan, uh, still has relatives in Wuhan. And she told me that uh, when the COVID thing broke out the, fir- the first time, uh, her relatives were simply locked in their apartment. -hmm. And thank God it happened around the time of the Chinese New Year because they had stocked up food because they literally could not get out to get food. So I don't think that's an exaggeration. That's just a straight source from someone who had relatives. that's a trending hashtag in China is,
0: uh, you know, not enough food, lockdown, no food.
1: Yeah. I I don't, so whether this is true or not, I, I don't know, but I think that they are perfectly capable of doing that type of thing in, in China, uh, because they have the worst of both worlds there. Uh, They have the worst of capitalism. Uh, Milton Friedman advised all of the communist leaders how to turn their children into billionaire oligarchs. Uh, uh, So they have that type of capitalist enterprise, plus all of the draconian security state that they inherited from the Soviet Union era. So it's the worst of both worlds.
0: at least they have public banking, but maybe that's not enough to make up for the other things. Um, In any case, uh, the United States has its own problems. And unlike China, we're not going very far to try, even try to solve most of them uh tom hartman thinks that we should take a page out of china's book just as in china they are making sure that all computer stuff is going to be made in china by the end of 2022 tom hartman thinks the fact that everything here in america is made in china might get in the way of us waging war on china which apparently he thinks is bad uh he says when the superpower who's threatening your friends and practice bombing your aircraft carriers controls the majority of your entire economy you're in no position to make threats or demands well I guess Tom wants to be in a position to make threats and demands of China. Uh, in any case, what do you think, Mike? Uh, do we need to purge uh, ourselves of uh, our dependence on China?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was one of the biggest mistakes that this country ever made uh by outsourcing manufacturing to China. When did that take place? That take place it took place during the leverage buyout era of the Reagan administration when he wanted to raise money from uh big Jewish capitalist in New York City to fund his campaign. It was a disaster for the United States and it's going to be a disaster for national security. The only the only reason uh, America was victorious in World War II was because they had factories that could churn out basically defective weapons like the Sherman tank, uh, which was no match for the uh, German Tiger. But we had so many of them that we, we simply overwhelmed them with numbers. That was also the strategy in the East. And if you don't have... Uh, the uh, arsenal for democracy in Detroit or a, a, a huge manufacturing base, you cannot win those wars. And that's precisely the lesson that the United States seems to want to learn the hard way here. They never should have participated in this outsourcing campaign. Never it was a disaster continues to be a disaster.
0: Well, uh, among you know, another problem, if they want to have a war on China, besides the fact that everything here is made in China, is that nobody believes anything our government says anymore, which is natural because of the lies uh, being so pervasive. And and one of the most outrageous ones came from Sonia Sotomayor, a big lie of the week from a high-level government person. This uh, Supreme Court justice claimed that more than 100,000 children were hospitalized from COVID, mostly many of them on ventilators, and the truth is that fewer than a thousand are, are in the hospital with COVID and probably virtually none of them are there because of COVID. So the whole thing is complete nonsense. But she's saying this in an oral argument before the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, we have so many cases of so many ridiculous lies and just, you know, maybe this is just a mistake. But the picture we're getting from what we hear from our own leaders is so untrue that there's a crisis of confidence in this country. And right. how could we go to war if we don't believe a thing any of our leaders tell us?
1: That's right. That's, which is, exactly, which is that's a good it's,
0: reason not to go to war, among many others.
1: Yeah, it is a good reason not to go to war. But I mean, you're you're talking about a crisis of confidence when Rachel Walensky has to come out and cor- correct a, a sitting a justice on the Supreme Court. Uh, you know that there's problems there. There are problems <laughs> with this narrative. OK, uh, and uh, how how do you fix the problem? Well, do you double down? That seems to be uh, part of what's going on. You double down, and you basically have to come out and say directly that truth is the opinion of the powerful. That's the big crisis right now. Is truth the opinion of the powerful, or is it, as my Thomas mentor, Thomas Aquinas, would say, is it the correspondence between mind and the thing? I think it's Uh, the correspondence. Yes, he did. We were buddies uh, uh, mates in college on huh? drinking buddies in the thirteenth century there you go.
0: <laughs> okay, well, you know one way they can try to restore this kind of unanimity in following the orders of the powerful is by scapegoating some powerless group, and who better to scapegoat than the the conspiracy theorists and the anti-vaxxers. And here is some, this sure looked like a false flag to me, Michael. Over in Dublin, right, um, a guy who looked a lot like Leopold Bloom's great-great-grandson was caught with some guy named Stephen Dedalus peeing a swastika shape onto the sidewalk in front of a synagogue. No, no, that wasn't it. It was actually a Masonic building in Dublin was supposedly torched with graffiti by a crazy anti-vax conspiracy theorist. And none of the details add up. I mean, this looks like one of the dumbest false flags I've ever seen
1: yeah i don't get it i don 't get it so the the Freemasons are behind the vax conspiracy uh, i i don't i don't get it i mean uh, the I, Freemasonry uh, to be honest with you, is a code word for people who can't say jew that's generally the way it gets used. Freemasonry is an obsolete political. Uh, revolutionary movement that was extremely powerful in the 18th century, and you can't underestimate its power then, but, and extremely powerful in the United States up to a certain point. But as the uh, Duke uh, Orleans said, uh, once the, uh, when they were about to chop off his head during the French Revolution, he said, once the sun comes up, you don't need the candle. Well, the, the Masonic Lodge was the candle. The sun is revolution, and we had the Bolshevik Revolution and all these revolutions now that basically relegate uh, the Masonic Lodge to insignificance. So I don't get the point here, unless it's simply to distract us from people who have real power, like Big Pharma. Maybe that's the point of this.
0: Yeah, I I, I think what it is, it's sort of like the Q movement, where they're trying to make unhinged uh, conspiracy uh, theorists who hate the Freemasons look like lunatics, and that way we can, you know, if we have to crack down on those anti-vaxxers, we'll have more public relations material to do it with. I I think that's what's going on anyway. But, you know, moving on from the uh, ridiculous to the serious again, we're coming back to that same issue about the, the lab leak hypothesis that basically everybody from Fauci on up and on down, all all knew that this was probably a bio weapon from day one, and they all just lied about it, orchestrated a huge cover-up, and some, sometimes it's not the crime, it's the cover-up that hangs you, and that could happen. Even Yahoo News and The Telegraph here are telling us, exposing that they that they lied outrageously to the world for more than a year, and many of them are still lying. And they conspired to hide the truth about COVID being a bioweapon. Um, you know, this email from Sir Jeremy Farrar, who was the director of the Welcome Trust to Tony Fauci and Dr. Hey. Francis Collins of the US NIH, um, summarized the concerns that the professor Farzan said, look, this fur and cleavage site had to have been made in a lab. I mean, yeah, it's possible that nature did it, but it's. Highly unlikely. So they knew back then and they lied to us. In fact, social media would kick you off if you mentioned the lab leak hypothesis even. You just mentioned it for over a year. Uh, I mean, that level of censorship in a case where they were lying to us is just beyond outrageous.
1: Yeah, I said this two years ago when I wrote the first COVID article. I mentioned the whole link to the Wuhan lab. I mentioned Fauci is funding this type of thing. Uh, okay. It's been out there for a, a long time now. And now it, maybe it's getting legs, but someone's, someone in the political process is going to have to take this into account. And we're going to have to have Dr. Fauci testify before oath to some type of uh, committee. And uh, if he's, uh, if, uh, and then if he did do this, then we'll have to hand down indictments it's time to move this out of the realm of the internet and into the realm of the political process and by the way when we're doing this maybe we should have another conversation with charles lieber the head of the chemistry department at harvard university who was just convicted of taking fifty thousand dollars a month under the table from the chinese for handing over secrets to them what secrets what are we talking about here what's the connection here Let's, let's do some, let's do some investigation with the force of law behind it rather than a million internet articles all saying the same thing and all being shot down by a single $15 an hour fact checker at Snopes.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, when uh, they finally put uh, Fauci on trial for lying to Congress, one of the witnesses may be Major Joseph P. Murphy, who supposedly wrote this DARPA memo that amazingly wasn't classified, uh, stating that uh, COVID was created by Daszak's Ego Health Alliance, among other revelations. Uh, this document was uh, published by Project Veritas. It could be a red herring, or maybe not. What do you
1: think? That's why we have. To, that's why we have to move it into the realm of law. OK, the evidence is out there. This is what a grand jury does. Is there evidence for something? I think there is. So the grand jury will then hand down recommendations that this person should be indicted. That That's that's the stage that we have reached now. Someone is going to have to do that. Now, the political process is now heading toward midterm elections. Uh, I think it's going to be a disaster for the Democrats, primarily because they have done Fauci's bidding. So it's like Fauci is telling Biden, I'll hold your coat while you go out and beat up uh, anybody I don't like. Uh, And it turns out that Biden got beaten up. He's continuing to get beaten up in the political process. He's taking it on the chin, along with the other entire Democratic Party. And this will lead probably to catastrophe in the fall. And at that point, will we have the will to pursue this politically? This is not. This was really bad. What you people did, and we're not just going to pretend that it didn't happen. Someone is going to have to accept responsibility for this.
0: Well, this question of the origin of COVID nineteen could turn out to be the biggest political scandal in American history. It probably should. Uh, then there's also the question of where uh, the origin of Omicron, this variant. Josh Middledorf, who was recently on my radio show talking about this, among other things says that there are basically five theories uh one is the, the least likely really it, that it happened under the radar they nobody you know there's huge number of mutations and nobody has found any of these mutations anywhere else how could all these mutations just happen here and not there's no trace of them anywhere else uh, so that's unlikely. It could have happened in one individual who had a long COVID or something. That's not very likely either. It could have gone from humans to mice back to humans. That's also, also pretty unlikely. Then the, the two more likely ones, according to Josh, are there could have been a lab release in Durban, South Africa, possibly by a benevolent mad scientist, unlike people like Fauci and Peer, these, these crazies, um, maybe uh, some benevolent mad scientist figured out how to create a really harmless variant that would be super contagious to basically act as a self-spreading vaccine. And then finally, hypothesis number five would be that it evolved due to selection pressure on the spike protein. But uh, where that happened, we don't know. So um, it's, it's an interesting question, and it's not quite as grim and as portentous as the question of the origin of the original COVID-19.
1: Yes. So let's get back to being grim. All right. Uh, uh, Bill Gates said something that was really chilling, uh, something to the effect of, well, if we didn't get your attention this time, we'll get your attention the next time around. So there's a kind of threat there. Uh, What's the what's the threat, Bill? Is it anthrax? Is it anthrax the next time? Is that what you have in mind? In other words, we are not going to back down until we've exterminated uh, 80% of the world population so that the ecologists can breathe freely now. Is that what you have? Well, the point here is we should be able to uh, be in a position, the government should be in a position to protect us from people like this. Who knows what they're cooking up?
0: Who yeah, knows? Like, who knows what, what they're next? cooking?
1: Why should we wait for them to, why should we wait for something really serious to happen? And I'm saying COVID was not really serious and Omicron is even less serious than that. But suppose something, suppose they decide something really serious should happen basically because their whole narrative is collapsing. Okay. So Bill calls up somebody in Wuhan and says, okay, let the anthrax send out anthrax now. We have to be able At to least protect the anthrax. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Like the
0: Kraken, by winged monkeys, maybe winged uh, Mm. transgender monkeys. For all I know, Uh, I hear that's going to be in the remake of The Wizard of Oz. But anyway, this (laughs) is this is such a huge issue. We keep coming back to this issue, this COVID origin scandal that's exploding almost even as we speak. But let's take a break and talk about one of uh, one of your favorite topics, Mike, which is anti-Semitism accusations. Um, Here's a wonderful piece from the British, the Jewish Daily Forward uh telling us that, hey, it isn't just those goblins with the long noses in Harry Potter that are anti-Semitic stereotypes or tropes or whatever you want to call them. But hey, let's go over the whole history of British literature and talk about these wonderful Jewish stereotypes. Dickens, Fagan, the old shriveled Jew, whose villainous-looking repulsive face was obscured by a quantity of matted red hair. Or uh maybe... The Shylock, uh, in Shakespeare or, or the Chaucer's Prior or Graham Greene, uh, and it's not just British literature, it's Tolstoy, Dostoevsky, Chek- Chekhov, Hemingway, all the geniuses were all anti-Semites. What's with yes. that?
1: Well, uh, is the forward saying that Jews have big noses? Isn't that an anti-Semitic trope right there? Uh,
0: that's true. The the forward,
1: I guess, their genius is there too. <laughs> I mean, this this is this is starting to get to the point of being uh, ridiculous. Where uh, now, if you say George Soros, that's that's facto, a trope an yeah. anti-Semitic trope.
0: He identifies as a trope at
1: least. And so we're, it's like we're like one more hedge around the uh, the Torah here. The hedge around the hedge around the hedge, and to the point where it, it's ridiculous, fellas. At some point the big Jew is going to have to step into the room and say, Oi, we're, we're overplaying our hand here. Turn back. Get rid of Greenblatt. Tell him to, die, tell him to dial it down in the AD, at the ADL. They're wrecking our best, our best weapon by overusing it. Greenblatt has called Wolfowitz one too many times.
0: Indeed. Well, another thing they could do, if they want to get rid of these pernicious anti-Semitic stereotypes is to stop the genocide over in occupied Palestine. And Americans get killed every now and then. That just happened this way. I mean, we, we could do false flag weekly news every week for 10 hours a week or more on Palestinians, uh, kill, being killed and tortured, mutilated, their uh, possessions being stolen, bulldozing of houses, uh, gardens and palm trees destroyed, uh, the treatment of prisoners, uh, torture, uh, psychological torture on and on and on and on and on. Uh, We don't because we assume that most of you know that. Anyway, just one of the many horrific things that happened to Palestinians this week was an American citizen. Omar Assad was detained by the IDF, uh, apparently mistreated. He was found dead with one plastic zip tie still around his wrist. He's a former resident of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I met a bunch of Palestinians over there. I very well might have met this guy. I've met a bunch of older Palestinians there a few years ago. And uh I'm kind of pissed about this, not just because he's American and he's from Milwaukee, but we should be upset about this uh because, hey, it's a genocide and our U.S. tax dollars are paying for it.
1: Well, wait a minute. What, what do you mean? What is what is a citizen? It seems to me that if you've got a name like Omar, you're a second-class citizen to begin with, and you basically don't have rights. Is it? Is it? What? Doesn't? Don't we? Didn't Obama? Isn't he the one who basically called down a drone strike on an American citizen who happened to have one of those Muslim names? Isn't he the guy who started this precedent?
0: Yeah. That's uh, absolutely right. Uh, maybe when I decided not to change to a Muslim name back when I came to Islam in the mid nineties, right. I had no idea uh, right. that if I had changed to a Muslim name, probably I'd already have uh, languished or perhaps died in Guantanamo.
1: No, so stick with Kevin, okay? No, don't uh, don't, don't change. Kevin. Don't change to Mahmoud. It, it's it's not. <laughs> it's a bad career move.
0: Okay. Well, uh, thanks. I always appreciate the career advice, Mike. Uh, and over in India, it's just uh, just about as bad as in Palestine. Uh, where these psycho Hindu nationalists are arming themselves to kill millions of Muslims and openly uh, speaking out in favor of that course. So there, I think 9-11 is part of this trigger for really a global genocide against Muslims. And I think India was partly influenced by this. These Hindu fascists had been pretty marginal before that uh, for a century. And now suddenly they exploded into power. And I think there's there was like a global mind virus uh, of hating Islam unleashed by 9-11. And that's one of the factors behind what's happening in India right now.
1: Yeah, there's a double game going on there. Uh, uh, Narendra Modi, uh, uh, the head of the BJP is pursuing a double game where he's trying to uh, appeal to the oligarchs and talk about India as the cheap labor capital of the world. Uh, that's uh, on, uh, to the outside. On the inside, he's a raving uh, Hindu uh, fundamentalist who edges, who is being supported by the RSS, which is the Hindu fundamentalist organization that is basically, uh, uh will go out and kill you uh, if you're a, a Christian or a, a Muslim if the the rumor gets spread that somehow you touch the cow the wrong way or something like that so it's it really needs to be so it's a really tyrannical uh, violent operation that i I think is basically because uh, of the nature of hinduism it it just doesn't lend itself to rational defense. You know, worshiping monkeys does not seem rational to most of the world's people, and as a result, they feel defensive. And the Modi and the RSS and these groups can mobilize this defensiveness because now they're just part of the big world, and they can mobilize it with this uh, by directing this fanatical hatred against Muslims and Christians, including that leads to murder. Frequently, leads to murder. Nuns get murdered. They get raped over there. It's a horrible situation.
0: And of course, there is a philosophical and perhaps even monotheistic uh, interpretation of Hinduism that's out there. The Upanishads are great mystical literature, um, but that's unfortunately not what we're talking about with these uh, these, uh, crazies uh, who are giving paganism a bad name as if it didn't already have one. Well, uh India-Pakistan is certainly one of the hotspots where a potential nuclear war could start. It's often been considered the number one hotspit. But this week, I think uh Russia-NATO over in Ukraine became the biggest hotspot. Blinken and, and Stoltenberg's American crazies are... Blaming Russia for everything. Uh, Blinken went crazy with his speech where he's, it's Russia doing this. It's Russia doing this. It's Russia invading Ukraine. It's Russia. It's Russia. It's Russia. It's Russia. No, it's not Russia. It's the US. It's NATO. It's NATO that pledged not no. to extend one inch to the east in the ni- 1989, not one inch east of Germany. And today there are 14 NATO members east of Germany pushing first strike rep- weapons right up to Russia's border. What do you expect Russia to do?
1: Well, is it Americans? Is Blinken an American? Is his first loyalty to the United States of America? Or are we talking about this Jewish animus against Russia that goes all the way back to the 19th century when this great wave of people came over here because of the so-called pogroms, which were a reaction to Jewish revolutionaries murdering the czar? So why why would you put Again, why are you going to put America's foreign policy into the hands of people who don't have any respect for America and are only using it to promote Israel in the Middle East? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? This is crazy. And, and you can expect, and you can expect like the, the descendants of the Cheka and Trotsky's army. Uh, you can, you cannot expect rational, uh, negotiations from people who always think they're right and are willing to sacrifice the nation for some type of crazy idea, whether it's communism or whatever it is now. Well, what Blinken's
0: claim—it's Russia, it's Russia, it's Russia, it's Russia—doing these terrible, aggressive things. It's a classic case of psychological projection, where you project right. onto the other guy what you're really doing yourself. Absolutely,
1: and that's Jew- that's Jewish as well. Oh yeah. And the problem here is—it's like what I said to our Iranian friends: Why did you put your country in the middle of all these American bases? Right. Didn't you know you were asking for trouble? This is the same type of logic that is going on in the Ukraine right now.
0: And another clear example of projection is the U.S. accusing Russia of preparing a false flag operation. It's actually the U.S. that is trying to lure Russia into, quote-unquote, invading the Ukraine. The Russians are probably smart enough to just uh, do deniable help to their friends in Donbass and so on. But here's a, a an open uh, claim by a U.S. official. That Russia has pre-positioned a group of operatives to conduct a false flag operation in Eastern Ukraine. Wait a minute. I thought the U.S. government said false flag operations were just a conspiracy theory. That's what they say when we're bringing up around 9-11 anyway.
1: But not when, uh, when we need to project it on Russians. Again, why is the foreign policy of the United States of America in the hands of somebody like Blinken? Why, why is that? Do you expect some type of good outcome when you do that? Do you expect some type of good outcome when you make Merrick Garland the head of the uh, uh, Justice Department? No, you're going to get this class warfare, whatever it's called, or whatever variation is now, transgender warfare, because these people consider the American people their enemy. And they're they're using America as the stalking horse to to advance their agenda. And it's going to be Americans or Ukrainians who are going to die as a result of this if it gets that far. And it looks as if it's going in that direction.
0: Well, thanks, Mike. You know, I hadn't even realized that Blinken was Jewish. Although I guess if I thought about it, I heard there was like a law firm called Winken, Blinken and Nod. I would figure <laughs> Nod would be the token goy. Uh, anyway, moving on to Kazakhstan. Uh, how about the, uh, populism of the new president, Tokayev, who says there will be a national fund, uh, funded by wealthy citizens, including those who got rich under former president Nazarbayev. That they'll be forced to contribute. You know, maybe we should do that here, Mike. Maybe we should take our oligarchs and turn them upside down and shake them until the money falls out of their pockets, sort of like Bin Shaitan did over in Saudi Arabia, only maybe a little bit better. And maybe we should have good guys doing that rather than bad guys like Bin Shaitan.
1: Yes, I think you're absolutely right. I think that we need to reform tax policy. Uh, the, the, the concentration of wealth that has taken place ever since Reagan got into this idea of making the rich richer has had catastrophic effect. And it's time to restructure this policy and make these people pay. Absolutely right. It has to happen. Nobody should have the right and to do this type of thing. And I think we should get to the heart of it, which is usury. That's the main thing fueling the inequality of wealth. And we need to return to the period before uh, Mr. Volcker became head of the Fed and reinstitute usury laws to basically rein in this group of people who use their ill-gotten gains to buy politicians who then elect, put people like Blinken and Merrick Garland into power uh, uh, to pursue their own agenda. This is not. Benefiting America or Americans.
0: Well, these days, of course, usury is an anti Semitic trope. So, uh, I don't know for a lot of people. Big
1: noses. They have big noses. Remember, J.K. Rowling said that. That's how you can tell a usury. He's got a big nose.
0: Hmm. Oh, boy. This is, (laughs) we're we're drifting in into uh, some territory that's going to get the attention of the ADL pretty soon if we don't watch out. So we better go to race off to North Carolina, uh, which is, of course, uh, ethnically, uh, fairly heterogeneous, where a civil war rehearsal is taking place, even as we speak, supposedly, where it's actually, no, it's going to happen in another week or whenever it's going to happen. January 22nd. Okay. That is exactly one week from today. This is like the new Jade Helm. Remember Jade Helm? Well, this time it's, uh, what, it, what is it called? It's called Robin Sage. It's the final exam for special forces uh, qualification course. And uh, they're basically imagining some kind of U.S. Army overthrow of a, a quote unquote illegitimate government in a foreign country. Or would this be if it was somebody in Washington, D.C. that they didn't like? Are they rehearsing for a new civil war? Uh, that meme seems to be spreading. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think this is going to come down, the determining factor in this COVID agenda is going to come down to the basic level of society. Let's say local police forces. Are they, these police forces going to allow themselves to be dragooned into a campaign where they will be at war with their own people? I have talked to police officers here in South Bend and they say, no, we are not going to force any mandates. We will never do this. We will never do this because we see our job is protecting the people of South Bend. So it's going to come down to uh, whether it's going to be Australia, where apparently the police are complicit in this type of thing. will go into your home and drag you out and send you off to a concentration camp or Germany, where they seem to be doing the same type of thing where the police Uh, Are the police going to go along with this? The same thing will apply to the military. Is the military going to wake up at some point or other and say that our job is not to wage war on the American people?
0: So the accusations now in the mainstream media are that Trump was behind a plan to have a coup in early January of 2020. And so now they're going to have to Trump proof the 2024 elections by revising the Electoral Count Act of 1887. I'm not sure that's going to Trump proof the elections because Trump might very well beat Biden if he runs. That's what all the polls suggest anyway. But their plan is that the only they think the only way Trump could win would be to bring these uh, fake, electoral slates appointed by Republican state legislatures and pretend that those are the real electors. So they're trying to change the rules. So that's not possible. Um, the only way that this so-called Trump coup could have happened in 2020 would be if a uh, one member from each chamber, the House and the Senate, had objected to the so-called legitimate electors. So now they want to change that. It's going to take three-fifths of the entire body to object to any electors. And Actually, Mike, I don't find this as uh, perhaps mm, uh, suspicious as maybe you or others might. That is, the, the quote from this article that sticks out for me is the key point is the state can't change the rules after the election. So if the state law says that you have this election, you count the votes and whoever gets the most votes gets all the electors then you can't change that rule by saying, well, I don't think we like the way the election went or there may have been irregularities, blah, blah, blah. We're going to just send whoever we want. Uh, that makes sense to me that you if they want to be able to send electors who are not elected by the popular vote, then they should pass a law to that effect ahead of the election. So I'm actually leaning to the establishment side on this. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. You can't change it after the fact. You can't make pass laws after the fact. Uh, but I, I think we're, we're de- dealing with the, again, this whole accusatory reversal thing with this whole January 6th thing where the, the, the Democrats are accusing the Republicans of doing what they actually did themselves. They stole the election. They use this as a way, a false flag, as a way of not uh, allowing the ballots to be counted. And now they're blaming it on the very people who are the victims in this thing. And they're using the rule of law basically to intimidate uh, anybody who disagrees with them.
0: But there may have been chicanery on both sides in 2020. In fact, I I would, if I had to guess, that would be my guess. And some of the chicanery has come to life from the Republican side, which is these uh, basically fake electors, um, from and that uh, came out from what the mainstream media CNN here is reporting, that in seven states, there were these certificates of electors sent to the National Archives by top officials representing the Republican Party in each state. Yeah, that does uh, seem to be uh, a rogue operation, and there may have been planning for other forms of fraud as well. We know Republicans have been stealing votes through rigged voting machines in the past. Uh, 2000, 2000, well, 2004 was the key example there and possibly uh, subsequent presidential elections as well. I think the cheating is an equal opportunity thing that crosses party lines.
1: Yes, well, if it does, uh, then it will it will cause alienation from the electoral process. So if, even if that's the case, what is going to happen in this coming uh, coming uh, election cycle. What are we going to do in the future? Is anyone going to step in and ensure the validity of elections or is it simply going to be uh, whoever, whichever party is in control in this particular district will uh, win this district. And that's that. How is that going to continue? How, how is the cheating scenario going to continue? How, how do you continue along that line? It seems to me someone's going to have to step in and ensure the legitimacy of the vote, the accuracy of the vote, and one of the ways may may have to go back to uh, non-computerized voting machines. That would be one step in the right direction. But then again, that's not infallible either. So the question is, who's going to ensure the validity of the elections? Or uh, this is, again, a, a story for the adults to step in. You know, it's been so politicized. You can politicize. You can win on the short term and get your guy elected. But in the long term, you lose because nobody accepts the validity of your elections. Because look, we had a situation in South Bend, Indiana. Okay, Pete Buttigieg announces in the second election, I got 80 percent of the vote. Did you, Pete? Really? So why didn't Colbert say at that point, what percentage of the registered voters showed up at the polls? Well, if he had asked that question, the answer would be 11 percent. So you got 80 percent of 11 percent, which is 8 percent, which if they had that in Bosnia, the U.N. would declare it invalid. This is the type of disillusionment that's spreading throughout the system right now, and they're going to have to deal with it.
0: Absolutely. And the Democrats obviously are controlled by the same wealthy criminal class that wants to keep the system open to rigging because they can rig it uh, according to their needs in each election. And they can help either party according to which party is more helpful for the, the oligarchs. And so Biden's solution to this And of course, if the Democrats had any brains, they would do what you suggest, Mike, and they would advocate uh, fraud proofing the election process, which would involve hand counted paper ballots, all counted transparently in public. And it would cost a little bit of money, but it would certainly more than pay for itself in terms of public confidence in election results. Is that how the Democrats are planning to reform the election? That would be a, it'd be perfect. They'd say, hey, you Republicans, you're right. Our elections are really not trustworthy. We think we got robbed in 2000, 2004, and that there's been a red shift over the years since then, where uh, tens, hundreds of millions of votes have been stolen by rigged computers, mostly for Republicans, by these billionaires who uh, operate both parties. So we're going to fix that problem. We're going to have hand-counted transparency. Uh, elections with paper ballots and guess what the in, in person so you know no mail in nonsense if he said that the republicans might go for it and we might end up with really good elections but no what does he say he's he goes off on this yeah it's true he said well you know it, it, he says the the people and the black people and the minorities have been uh, the victims of these vote rigging schemes, these schemes to prevent people from voting, making it hard to vote, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure, maybe there's some truth to that. However, that's a totally partisan perspective. All that's about is getting more Democrat votes. So rather than fixing the real root problem, the Democrats are going off on the same kind of partisan tangent that they accuse the Republicans of doing with some reason. So again, I think both parties are equally self-serving and corrupt, and the billionaire oligarch criminals who largely own both parties are just laughing all the way to the bank.
1: I agree with you. I think that's true.
0: Okay. Well, I wonder who, who will be the next uh, coup or coup attempt? How will it play out? Who knows? Well, let's look back to history And our final uh, – is this our final story? No, it's our final serious story this week, or super serious story anyway – uh, the Smedley-Butler coup attempt of 1933 when Roosevelt was opposed by a long list of the richest oligarchs in America, uh, including J.P. Morgan, uh, the DuPonts, uh, Robert Sterling Clark of the Singer Sewing Machine Fortune, the general, uh, chief executives of General Motors, Birdseye, General Foods. All of those folks were behind this coup attempt where they wanted Smedley-Butler, the heroic Marine general, to call himself a dictator and lead an army of uh, war veterans to take over the country and make it a fascist dictatorship. So Smedley Butler, being a patriotic American, spilled the beans. And guess what? Not one of these perpetrators of the richest people in America was ever even asked to testify about this, much less locked up, much less hanged for treason. The rumor is that FDR struck a deal with them, uh, promising to not hang them for treason if they supported his new deal. Uh, In any case, it all got covered up and hardly anyone learning American history these days even hears about this Uh, again. And, you know, you're not allowed to talk about anything but the public myth anymore or you'll be deplatformed. I'm surprised The Guardian even published this article.
1: Yeah, it is surprising. Uh, There are all sorts of things that should be looked into uh, in this regard. I think that the murder of Huey Long is uh, something that should be looked into. Yeah, um, absolutely.
0: Uh, yeah, Roosevelt very well may have been behind that or his people.
1: It seems to me that he was behind it. It seems that we had this broad surge of populist movement throughout the United States. This is the era of Father Coughlin and, uh, 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 uh Lindbergh and, and, uh, nationalist fervor, and Huey Long is just mysteriously murdered. And then uh, I think, to, in my humble opinion, as a, a PhD in American literature, I think that Robert Penn Warren wrote All the King's Men to cover up, to as part of the cover up. It's probably one of the greatest novels, the cover up novels in history. I think it's a really good novel, but I think it's part of the cover up that uh, got Robert Penn Warren into the literary firmament.
0: You think it's better than like Norman Mailer on Lee Harvey Oswald? I don't know, uh, or or uh, DeLillo? uh I mean, those guys did some pretty good cover up. I think it's too. a
1: really good novel. I think it's. I really like the novel. It's got a real good. Uh, but anyway, I I think that's what's going on there. Okay, we
0: we can't chat about literature here all day, uh, since this is a news show. So let's get to the really big stories of the week. First, the killer Zionist dolphins. This uh, flip. I forgot to append the uh, the blue star on his forehead. But uh, Hamas uh, says that killer Zionist dolphins are coming after their frogmen. And the U.S. Naval Institute news analyst H.I. Sutton says this report has credibility. And it's indeed plausible that Israel may have a Navy marine mammal program, just like the U.S. had in the past, may still have. It was exposed by John Lilly, who got tired of teaching dolphins to blow themselves up and exposed it and became a dolphin whisperer. So I guess maybe we'll have an Israeli version of him who will expose the Israeli program. But meanwhile, all our information on this is coming from Hamas.
1: Yes. And I think that we need to get the animal rights people involved in this thing immediately to bring some type of clarity to the situation.
0: And speaking of the animal rights people, we've already talked about Fauci and transgender monkeys, but it gets even worse. 700 sheep and goats were forcibly lined up in the shape of a syringe to encourage vaccinations. Now, is this the stupidest pro-vaccination PR stunt that you can imagine, or do you have a better imagination than whoever came up with this? Tasty Bits of Bread did the trick uh, to get 700 sheep and goats, uh, you know, the vaccination separates the sheep from the goats, and hey, I'm going to go anyway, uh, to join Germany's drive to encourage people to get vaccinated against COVID. So, Mike, would you line up with hundreds of other sheep to get vaccinated if Tony Fauci offered you a few Tasty Bits of Bread?
1: Of course I would. Of course I would. But the message here is something different. What they're saying is, are, are the people sheep? Are, is that, wait a minute. Didn't someone ca- check this over? Didn't someone yeah, go yeah, over this been, idea? This
0: is a real PR genius who came up with this, huh?
1: Yeah. The German people are really sheep that need to be herded with this, little this pieces of bread. This is German prey. Edward
0: Bernays that came up with this idea. <laughs> <laughs> the torches of sheepdom.
1: <laughs> this will win an award at the end of the year for the public relations uh, community, for the stupidest, each stupidest of each
0: of the sheep after they got vaccinated then to light up a cigarette <laughs> simultaneously. They could have sold some tobacco, too. Oh, well. Uh... <laughs> All right, <laughs> what can you say? The news is crazier than anything that we can even imagine. So thank you so much, Dr. E. Michael Jones. I appreciate your trenchant analysis, and fearless commentary that hasn't gotten us deplatformed yet. And we, I guess I will be back. You'll be back next month, God willing. I'll be back in two weeks, God willing, taking a one-week vacation from False Flag Weekly News. So on the other side of that, uh see you all, stay well, stay healthy, and uh, take care.